Good evening, everybody. We are here, the 21st of August, our Q&A session 81. We just thank God again. We got lots of questions. We don't think we'll be able to finish them all. Lots of questions. And we trust God for discernment, for wisdom. And by the way, all the listeners, we do not have a patent on wisdom. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if we go wrong, always cross check with the word of God and the spirit of God. And if we hear God saying and the word saying we are wrong, we are wrong. Because we are giving advice free. Okay, it's free. You don't have to take it. Because if our prescription is wrong, it will affect your health. So always go back to the word of God and ask in prayer, should I take it or not? Because only God and his word is infallible, not man, not even the Pope. The Pope is usually always wrong. (laughs) Though he claims to be right. (laughs) Okay, that was an aside. My Catholic friends don't get offended, okay? That's because he says he, when he speaks, it's infallible. And it is not. So this morning, this evening, right? We are, we do not know what time zone we are operating. Morning, in, evening, and morning, like evening, evening, and afternoon, whichever yes. time zone. So, Pastor Vijay, would you lead us in prayer? Father, we just want to thank you once again for this time that you've given to us. Thank you once again, Lord, for all the questions that your children have sent from all around the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. I pray, Father, that Lord, you would grant us all the anointing, your servant, even as he Father tackles every question in all of us, even as we hear, oh Father, I pray the same spirit, O oh Lord, which would inspire your servant will also teach us and make every answer relevant to our situation, O oh Lord, Father. Thank you for this time once again, surrender this entire t- session into your hands. Let your name and your word be exalted in everything that we do. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor, with you. This is question number four. Uh, uh, Pastor, actually this was from last time, Pastor. Okay. Uh, we as ministers lose sight of the purpose of our ministry sometimes. We are also overwhelmed by the needs that surround us sometimes. Could you help us ministers, pastors, worship leaders with some godly counsel, please? Two things. One is turn to John chapter 3 and verse 27. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Hallelujah. Okay, that's the first thing. First thing is that don't take, I still remember when I was doing my undergraduation uh, uh, first year, in my hostel room I had a poster. It was last century by the way, okay, not this century, last century. <laughs> <laughs> it was that don't bite more than you, you can, can chew. Okay, and you need to realize always when it comes with God, He will never give us something which His grace cannot handle. He will never give us something more than we can handle it. At least that's the way He operates. Because He says, Take my yoke upon yourself. And He says it is light. Everything about God is light, it is not burdensome. Mm-hmm. Therefore, here John says, a man must receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Sometimes what happens is, in our zeal, we take what is not given by God to us. And we need to learn to say no. Mm. Learn to say no. Okay? 
and uh, that's important. We need to say to Lord. Some people do not know how to say Lord today. Also, you know, calls keep on coming, asking for meetings. I didn't even take the call, okay, because I didn't want to say no, so I didn't take the call. You know, because there's a limit to which we can handle. Okay, remember, the burden is His. He puts on our shoulder. The need is too huge. No man can ever meet it. Mm-hmm. Okay, no man can ever meet it. So. We shouldn't take more than what God has given to us. Okay. God. And second thing, my favorite verse, one of my favorite is Mark, Mark chapter 135. 135. Praise God. Okay. It's 135. Mm. No. In the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. If you look at it, the previous day's ministry and the next day's ministry, there's an enormous shift mm. between these two days. And the only reason is because he, when he prayed, the father said, this is where you are going. But if you look at the previous day and that day morning, the need is huge. The entire town has come. If you look at verse Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. The need is huge. And he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. Because for this purpose, I have come forth. Mm. He leaves Something needy people, people mm. who need healing, deliverance, sick, they have brought them all. Leaves them. Mm. Leaves them and goes to the other. These are fundamental things which we need to understand. We step into ministry. He called us. He sent us. Mm. People did not call us. If people called us, then we will move according to the pressure. That's what happened to King Saul. Saul was chosen by the people. And therefore, he moved with the people. Mm. David was not chosen by the people. He was chosen by God. God. So we always need to be very, very careful. Whatever position we have in the kingdom of God, whatever role, whatever work God gives us, be very sure it is God-given. Though we are under men, Mm. we are under authorities, yet it is God-given. God will never put something on you which you cannot bear. He cannot. And therefore, we also need to learn how to say no. Then third thing over there, is in the book of Galatians, chapter 1. Galatians, chapter 1. Words 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. Okay, now he's saying, it's not that we shouldn't please men. But we should never try to please men at the cost of pleasing God. That is a fundamental, mm-hmm. fundamental principle. Okay, and sometimes we are under tremendous pressure from people. Okay, call and you know, and people. Uh, let us accept the fact that most people or many people in the churches are not mature and they're very emotional. Okay, very emotional, and they get you know, uh, like when I spoke a few Sundays back about calling, texting my wife for prayer and all. Some people call and said. Wow, pastor was so tough. You see, the thing is that, why was I tough? Is The reason is this. Let us say, Peter is a pastor. And I'm calling Peter, um, Pastor Peter, could you please help me in this thing, okay? Now, I am calling from my bubble. What I don't see is that before me, 10 people have called. After me, 15 will call. I see myself in isolation and Peter says, call me later, I am busy and I'm offended. 
oh, he has no time for anybody. I wonder what he's doing. After all, what do pastors do? Mm. Because they are seeing themselves in isolation. What they don't see is what is before and what is happening. Okay, and sometimes pastors also prioritize. Okay, you have to prioritize yes, yeah. when you are dealing with 10 cases, like any doctor would be dealing with 10, like Dr. Richard is, it's an emergency. Five emergency cases comes, and it's only one emergency doctor. He will prioritize, Absolutely. which needs his attention immediately because this one may not survive, this can handle, wait a little longer, prioritize. No, So we need to realize all these things happen, and we cannot let people pressurize us. People pressurize us. And in the process, we also need to know we have only so much time and so much energy. Okay, Even Jesus had to take naps in a boat because he was tired out. Mm. Tired out. And all of us are not growing younger. Mm. All of us are growing. And even two days back, I was telling my wife, we have only this much time and this much energy. Conserve now. Prioritize now. You cannot do the things the way you did before. You simply cannot. Because what happens is, it affects everybody. It affects everybody, you know. So pastors, ministers, worship leaders, everybody, even worship leaders, Mm. you know. If a worship leader is really, really good and is all over it, they will call them everywhere. Mm. But you know, worship doesn't flow like that. Then it's being a worship leader, you become a performer. People will be very happy. But the point is that, is God happy or not? And there are worship leaders for hire everywhere. They will be going from meeting to meeting to meeting, okay? And uh, and they wear themselves out. And spiritual things are high energy things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay? When you are actually ministering, <laughs> if you are truly, truly ministering, virtue is flowing out of you. Virtue is not flowing into you. Okay, it's not flowing into you. What is flowing out of you, and you really get tired at the end of the day. So here is the first thing: is that one, don't take what God hasn't given to you. Second, go to God, and you no, know, see that one you hear from God, you receive that grace, the mercy, and that grace, the anointing for that day. You receive it. I mean, Jesus had to do that every day of his life. <coughs> Think about it. How much more any one of us in any, if he, the very son of God, in that same chapter of John, chapter 3 and verse 34, it says, uh, he gives the spirit without measure. There was one man who walked on earth for he whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for God does not the spirit by measure. Meaning what is it? Because Jesus, the way he walked in obedience, he was filled without measure. Yet, he was constrained. He was constrained. I'm not saying, therefore, we shirk our responsibility, we do our best. We have to keep doing our best because a day is coming. Mm. When the restraints will be taken off. The restraints is this body. All the restraints of the body, this physical mortal body is gone. We receive a new body with no limits. And then those who enjoyed serving God will enjoy serving God even more More. because no more restraints and no more misunderstandings. (laughs) Okay, no more misunderstandings, no more offenses, any of those things. And simply, thing is that, please God and don't be afraid of offending people. And Jesus said, offenses will come. Mm. 
offenses will come. Don't, don't keep that in your mind. Keep that in your mind. Offenses will come. We have to keep ministering. But put restrictions on yourself. Otherwise, what will happen is you will burn out. And pastors, worship leaders, and ministers, when you know that you are running on fumes, call it off. Mm. Take a break. Take a break. Go back to God. You cannot do this in the flesh. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. You cannot do that in the flesh. Because we need to be refreshed ourselves. This is not something that originates with us. This is true for every, anyone in the kingdom of yes. God, but primarily for those who minister. Whatever is of God, if you look at Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Okay, the first two things he says is not, you know what? The Spirit of God is upon me and, and he has anointed me to preach. It's on that he goes. Okay. And this has to be a constant. This has to be a constant. If the Spirit of the Lord is not upon us and if the anointing is in there, we will struggle. We will struggle. Okay. So that's where to be led by the Spirit, to hear from the Spirit. And when the Spirit says, stop, stop. Spirit says, leave here and go there. Or don't. Not when I remember in one of these 14 years, we didn't give communion, no? We yeah. took the communion and the Lord said, don't give. No. <laughs> we didn't give, I know you guys were in there. <laughs> we didn't take communion, we didn't give the offering. Also. Yeah, we didn't Not take offering. offering. For the first three weeks. First three weeks, God said, don't take an offering. And then one Sunday, it was communion Sunday. Were you there? You guys were in there, right? God also asked us not to lead worship. Yeah. Just sing. Yeah, no? so <laughs> different things God said. All that things I have set in more because in, in beginning people were not truly discipled, no? So there's a season. God said, don't take an offering. Then once I remember God said, we, everything was ready and when we were about to give the Lord said, don't give communion today. Because there are a lot of people there who will take it who are not ready or prepared at all. So we didn't give. I mean, people may have Maybe some may be upset, some may not be upset, but the whole point is through it all, not to get God upset. <laughs> okay. This is all about Him, no? Okay. So, I mean, honestly, if our restraints were in there in Jivan Jyoti, like we have to leave because somebody else in, probably our service would take a different picture altogether. Absolutely. Altogether. Okay. So God also works within the limitations that is set. He doesn't break the next one, he doesn't do that, okay? But it's enormous liberty, as Second mm, Corinthians three seven say seventeen says, where yes, the spirit, spirit is Lord, there is liberty, there is liberty, okay? Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. That does not mean God uh, takes the autonomy of man. Mm -hmm. That also he says in First Corinthians 14. chapter fourteen, spirit and the Lord is supposed to object to the prophets. Okay, he does not take your autonomy away. Third, thirty-two, First Corinthians fourteen thirty-two. It's it's an, in, an incredible balance. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Okay, we have to put these two in balance. The prophet spirit is subject to you. God will not overrule your autonomy. And on the other hand, when you by minute by minute, hour by day by day, allow the lordship of the Holy Spirit, you go together. God is not overruling your self-will, your will. He's not overruling your autonomy. He will not do that. So it has to be. That's why in Romans 12, he beseeches brethren. 
offer. He does not command. <laughs> he could. He says, you are mine. I bought you. You belong to me. All that is true. But he doesn't command this thing. He says, you offer yourself. And then it works. The human free will and God's lordship works together. And you will realize, you know what? It is not so tiring. Otherwise, we will be taken, carried away by the pressure of the masses. The pressure is too much. Okay? We are not politicians. They didn't elect us. We don't have to please them. Okay, We don't have to do any of those things, but we minister to them. We give it to them. Yes, Pastor. Well, Pastor I think there's a, uh, on, this, on the same note, I think we can look at question number three. For God is in us, how do we reach this place in the spirit? If God is in us. God is in us. Or like if you go to John chapter 14, right? Remember I said that uh, 14. Yeah. Chapter 14. And verse uh, 16 and 17. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because he neither sees him, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. There are two things mentioned over there, right? We looked at it also. One, he, he is with us. The other, he will be in us. Okay, that in us, we all have it. All who have saved have been sealed for the day of redemption by the spirit of God. And then there is the spirit with us. Mm. And that's our issue. That's our issue. And like we, we looked at the past few weeks, it's only about Jesus. The spirit says in 1 John 32, right? John, not John, 1 John, 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 John chapter 32. 1. 1 and was it, was it 32? Where the spirit comes and descends on the Descends upon. Yeah. The pastor is there. In 32? Yes, yes. Yeah, I remain. I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And it remained upon him. Okay, remained upon him. Abide. Okay, that's the key. And if you look at it, what is it? See, if the dove has to remain upon us, we have to become that on which the dove can remain. That's why the symbolism is given. Not that the Holy Spirit is a dove. Holy Spirit could have come as an eagle. Eagle is also there in the Bible, mm. but it's not an eagle. The Holy Spirit has come as a dove because it's a very sensitive bird. It, it, it little the thing, it, it flies off. But scripture says, behold the Lamb of God, that is 29. And this is the dove landing upon the Lamb and rests upon him. And about the Lamb, we looked at it. These are three characteristics about the Lamb. The first thing about the Lamb in the books of Exodus 12 is that it should be without blemish. Mm. Okay, will we allow the word of God to make us without blemish? It says Ephesians 5, 26 says, without blemish, without wrinkle, without spot. All this thing, if you go to 5, 26. 5, 26, Ephesians. Cleanser by the washing of the water by, yeah, and 27. That he might present herself to himself a glorious church, not having a spot. Okay? Not having a spot. Now hold your hand there, okay? Keep it over there. And go to James chapter 1. Verse 26 and 27. Okay. If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not burdle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, 
to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So how do you keep yourself unspotted? See, this, these things in the Bible, if you look at it through, are not theory. They're very practical. Okay, so two categories of people are mentioned over there. One is orphans, one are widows. What are these in the Bible? These are people who have nothing to give you back. Nothing to give you back. They're orphans and widows. They have nothing to give you back. He says, God says if you want, if you really, really want to see that you're untouched by the world because the rest of the world operates on the principle of gain. Of gain. Because anybody you give something, you know they can give you something back. So his God says, you know what, you want to remain unsupported by the principle of the world, which is mammon, which is gain. Go to the people who cannot give you nothing back. That way you remain yourself unsupported by the spirit that operates in this world, which is based on gain. Mm. What is that? Go take care of the orphans and the widows. Unspotted. So you're looking at the word, how do I remain unsupported? God said, this is how you remain unsupported. Remain unsupported and keep a burden on your tongue. Okay, what you say, let it be life, let it not be death. Let it be blessings and let it not be curses. Keep you. And then if you go back to 27, okay? Ephesians 5.27, okay? Glorious, having spot or wrinkle. Okay, now let me ask you this question. See, the, the Bible is very interesting, okay? So how do you get rid of a spot? You get rid of a spot this way. The spot is by the world. The world brings spots on our souls. Okay, and the spot can become a smear. A smear can become a smudge. It can become large. So, remain unspotted. Now, before you put on a shirt, what do you do? You iron it. Okay, ironing is applying heat on a substance. It's red hot heat on a substance for what? To take the wrinkles off. Okay, so you need to realize to make us without wrinkle, God will apply heat. Without heat, the wrinkle doesn't go. He will apply pressure. So taking the spot off and taking this wrinkle off are not the same things. When the Bible talks about our God being a consuming fire, the consuming fire is talking about the sacrifice. The consuming fire is bad for the lamb and good for the offerer. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what it means. Our God is a consuming fire. So what is this? How does the wrinkle goes when he applies heat on us? And the heat is good for me and bad for the shaft. It burns off. Okay, that's, see we have to accept all these things. Before God, he will make me without spot, he will make me without wrinkle or any such. He should be holy and without blemish. He will do it on us. That's why the Bible says the refiner will come. He will sit with the laundry soap and the refining fire. So there are practical things and that's why God puts us through pressure. Yes. He puts us through pressure, okay, because ironing is heat and pressure. He puts us through pressure. And what happens when we come through the pressure, what happens? We get purified. We cannot get purified any other way. The reason God ordains a path for us is that each one of us only God knows. So our lives are not the same, though we may be living in under the same roof, in the same church, being ministered by the same word. Our experiences are not the same because God has to deal with us differently. Okay, God has to deal differently. And it is only when as we go through this process, we actually come to a place 
where if the, as the question says, where the spirit is. The spirit was all, God is in us. How do we reach this place in this spirit? How did, if you look at um, Apostle Paul, how did he reach there? Because of the pressure. Because of the, you see how he reached is because of the pressure. He, he, God took him through the fire. Okay, took him through the fire. And he stayed steadfast through it, all his steadfast. And his objective was very, very clear. That was the main thing. His objective was very, very clear. His objective was always the gospel of the kingdom of God. Go to the book of Galatians chapter 2. Let me show you that. Remember, uh, yeah, chapter 2, verse 11 onwards. 11 to 13. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him in his face because he was to be blamed. Remember, senior apostle, junior disciple. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. So you see here, it's people pressure. And if somebody should be pressurized, it's Paul. Because he is a Pharisee of Pharisees. And Peter is also a Jew, but he was just a fisherman. And Paul wasn't. Paul was from the higher hierarchy, higher up in the hierarchy. But you see, Paul's convictions are very, very, very strong. Absolutely. Once he comes through, he comes through with very strong convictions. Okay, like, which I sent today, John MacArthur. John MacArthur no? People need to have convictions. convictions. People hmm. need to have convictions. And Paul was very strong in his convictions. The, 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 the good thing about Paul when God picked him is that he says, when he was a Pharisee, he was very strong in his convictions. He was not a so-so kind of Pharisee. That's why he says, according to the law, blameless. He was very strong about his convictions. And when he found the truth, he was very strong about his convictions here also. Okay, Peter was more in the beginning like strength of his own flesh. He was not very sure about his convictions, but of course, by the time you see the end of Peter, you will see his convictions change, okay? The rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with them, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. And we saw that the first sin judged in the new covenant is the sin of hypocrisy. And now hypocrisy has reached the top. Peter, through whom the Holy Spirit Judge Ananias and Sapphira is now guilty of the same sin. Mm. He's pretending to be something that he is not. Mm. Thank God, God did not strike him dead. And we all would be dead because we all have been hypocrites still maybe in so many areas. Okay. He didn't strike him dead and go further down. Verse 14. When, now listen to this. This is important. When I saw that they were not straight forward about the truth of the gospel. This is his key. His behavior doesn't agree with the gospel. Therefore, he confronted them. He was absolutely zealous for the gospel of God's kingdom. He said, you know what? You're good preachers. But your behavior does not agree with the gospel. (laughs) And he stood up there and he confronted them. All of them. Peter in the face, because Peter is the leader, you confront Peter, you confront the rest. So he didn't go down, he arrived straight to the top and confronted over there. And this is his zeal. This is his zeal. And he was, these are fundamental things. How do you reach this place in the spirit? Even as you 
allow God and you participate in it practically in the sanctification of your soul. On the other side, outworking, you're very zealous for the kingdom of God. People now, it's like today's atmosphere, it is like, pastors are so politically correct. And Paul was never politically correct, if you notice him. He was never correct. He was not correct with Peter. <laughs> He's not correct with Barnabas. If Barnabas is wrong, Peter is wrong, he will stand up and he will love them through it all. Okay, he will talk about Alexander the coppersmith and all those people will name them out straight. He says, you are in the wrong and he will send a letter also to them to be publicly read. You know why? Because that's the man he was. That is the man he was. And we cannot fault him because he's the man that God used the most. Okay? So what I'm saying here is that how do you reach this place? One is how you cooperate with the Holy Spirit in the sanctification of yourself. The other side is that you will see this man towards the, through it all, his zeal never goes down. You couldn't, like you put him in chains, you put him in house arrest, you put him in any situation, zeal never goes. The Bible, the book of Acts ends with that. Look at the last verses in the book of Acts. <laughs> He's waiting trial. He's under house arrest. And how many years? Verse 30. Twenty or thirty. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house <laughs> and received all who came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence and no one this is this is this is this man's life. You put him in any situation, he will preach Christ. Okay. You are under house arrest and you have to pay your rent. That is Rome. Okay. You cannot go out but others can come in. So he says anybody who wants a teaching come and he stayed in his own house. And he preached the word of God. Okay? And when you go that, you know, you will reach that place in the spirit. You know? You have to allow God to clean you out and your zeal should not come and you always have to see you don't put a mask on. And one thing about Paul is that he never put a mask on. He never pretended to be something he was not. Mm. He never pretended to be something. And the others you will see, even Barnabas and Peter all faltering at that. Okay? And these are simple things. Okay, which we see and we work on it. Work on it. That's why I said the book of Philippians, the key word is that the Lord is near. Meaning the Spirit of God is there. Hmm? Now that is somewhere in the middle of his career, right? The Lord is near. Now at the end of his career. Ministry. Second Timothy chapter 4. End of his career. 4.16 and 17. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Hmm. This thing hasn't changed. Never changed, yes. Never changed. The Lord is near him and he's lying in prison. The Lord is standing by him and he's standing in court. One is years and years earlier, one is years and years later. And he's reached that place where you experience the presence of God with you. He's in us and he's with, with us. us. He's in us and he's with us. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pastor, this is question six again. Uh, this is what slightly also related, I from right? Um, it says, uh, the enemy can also mimic blessings or prophecy and, and miracles. If so, how do we know if a blessing or a miracle or a breakthrough or a prophetic word is from God or not? That is 
why we need the spirit of discernment one is we need the spirit of discernment second thing the bible says uh, test the spirits it says test the mm. spirits um, no if you see if even when you listen to something it's all in first corinthians chapter 14 it's also there in thessalonians 5 okay chapter 14 29 let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge okay now when you are speaking god says you can judge he said according to sound doctrine if you go to first thessalonians chapter actually 1 john 4 pastor 1 john 4 that he says test the spirit yeah 1 john 4 verses 1 onwards this must just say Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So these things are all there. Go to the Thessalonians also. Five thirty-one. Uh, no, twenty and twenty-one. Yeah. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Okay. Then the the. other side of the coin let me go to ezekiel 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 if you come with an idol in your heart 14, 14. okay chapter 14 and verses 1 to 4 now we were asked the first references we said is about testing the spirit of the one who speaks and judging his words with scripture now the other side testing, testing ourselves mm-hmm. now some of the elders of israel came to me and sat before me okay that's ezekiel and the word of the lord came to me saying son of man these men have set up their idols in their hearts hmm. and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity should i let myself be inquired of at all by them Therefore speak to them and say to them thus says the Lord God every one of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity and then comes to the prophet I the Lord will answer him who comes according to the multitude of the idols the other side Okay. you are not surrendered you are not looking for the will of God you are just going to God as if God is a soothsayer and you got all this your idols in your heart and god says i look into your heart and i will speak through my prophet and i will answer you according to your idols it may be sounding wonderful to your ears wow this is what i came for without realizing it is judgment it is judgment okay simple <laughs> if mikaya had in come what did the 400 prophets prophesy according to the idol in Ahab's according heart according to the idol in Ahab's heart go king you will win and he was killed okay god says i will i'll speak according to the he can do it with a false prophet he can do it with a true prophet too okay he will say, i'll speak to you according to you you go this thing and that is your dream and the lord says that's your dream take your dream and go 
Didn't you do that with Israel? He gave them what they asked. What was their idol? They came out of Egypt. They wanted Egypt. They didn't want the slavery of Egypt. They wanted the pleasures of Egypt. And God gave them what they asked. Through whom did he give it? Through Moses, the most sanctified prophet. (laughs) That was their idol in their heart. God answered Israel through Moses according to the idols in their heart. And they ate it and they died. Okay, so these two things are there about this thing. We have to be very, very careful. So there will be miracles, all these things. But like, you know, I like, you know, can you give me a piece of paper? Just a piece of paper? We have done this before. We can do it again. Oh, oh it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, okay. We are classroom teachers who do not, don't like paper being torn. Okay, okay. Everybody knows the triangle, right? Everybody knows the triangle. It's okay, Peter, it's okay, okay. Dirk Prince teaches it this way. He says that, yeah, yes, you can bring you can it. It's it. okay. It's you okay. can be seen. Okay. They already saw you, Peter. So. <laughs> There's nothing to hide. <laughs> okay. Dirk Prince puts it across. Okay. Just think this is a triangle. It is a kind of triangle, but not okay. He puts it across this way. He says, how do you guard yourself? Mm. Okay. He says the word of God. Mm. We have been given the word of God. First coordinate. Two, the spirit of God. The spirit of truth shall come and he shall lead you into all, all truths. And third, the person of Jesus Christ. Who the person is. The Holy Spirit reveals the person. So you have the word of God and you feel somebody saying, the spirit is telling me. But when you hear, you realize, but that's not how Jesus is. Mm. Jesus is, okay? This person seems to be misrepresenting the person of Jesus. That's what I said. You have to go through the Bible to see how Jesus is. Jesus the person. Okay? And when you have these three coordinates right, he says, you got the truth. You cannot go wrong then. This is how you capture the truth and you can be 100% sure this is of God. Because you have the word of God that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. If you look at the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians themselves were very noble. With much affliction, with great joy, they received the the word of God. And Paul says the Bereans were even more noble than the Thessalonians because they daily searched whether what Paul priest agreed with the (laughs) Old Testament. That's all they had. Okay, So first thing, agrees with the word of God. Second, agrees with the spirit of God. You have the check of the spirit. How do you test the spirit? Is saying that's right. That's right. And third, you know, it agrees with the person of who God is represented by Jesus Christ. As you go through the four Gospels, especially the four Gospels, the Spirit of God will show you the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, You will see Jesus was only upset with the Pharisees. He's never upset with the others. Never. A smoking flax, he will not put off. A bruised reed he will not break. He will not shout in the streets. Mm. Okay, he will not shout in the streets. You look at that person, he's, he was so, so kind, compassionate, gentle, yet inflexible when it came to the truth. I mean, if somebody was inflexible, it was he. Yet, the sinners flocked. They were comfortable around him. Children were comfortable around him. Women were comfortable. Sinners were. Everybody was comfortable. The only ones who were uncomfortable were the Pharisees. 
you know, the Pharisees. And he had tough words only for them. And the reason he had for them, not for every Pharisee, for those Pharisees who were ministering. He said, you are leading the people the wrong way. That's why he was upset with them. He says, you put a burden on them. He was not upset with the others. Okay, he was not upset with the others. So you look at the person of Jesus Christ and you will realize, you know what, this is what who God is. That's why the Bible says, Jesus says, I am the truth. The person of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, the person of Jesus Christ, I am the truth. And John seventeen seventeen, your word is truth. truth. Okay, you put these three coordinates in, you get a handle on truth, and then you can bank your life on it. This is true. Mm. This is true. Okay, and that's that's what happens with Paul. You see, Paul had an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. Who are you, Jesus of Nazareth? What do you want me to do? It will be told you. And he has an encounter. And the word falls into place. Immediately, word starts falling into place. He receives his eyes. He receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now, everything is falling into place for him. The person he has met. Meaning, for him, he looks at it and says, Wow, how did I get it so wrong? Here am I, going around killing Christians, putting prisoner, Christians into prisoners. I am responsible for the death, the imprisonment of so many Christian families. And the God of the Christians actually appears to me and he's so kind to me. So compassionate to me. And it changes his life. He completely gets a different picture of who God is. God is. And he says, woe unto me if I do not preach this gospel. It's a gospel of God's grace and the gospel of God's truth. And he is one person who learns how to balance it properly. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Question number seven also, Pastor. Again, um, this is all related to if we are facing an adversity as children of God, how do we know it is because of disobedience somewhere in our prayer life or walk with God or a storm that God has allowed into our lives for a purpose? See, it's very easy to know because <laughs> you will know. <laughs> if it is disobedience, you will know because the Spirit of God will convict you. Hmm? It will convict you. you know? I mean, if Old Testament people could know, how much more us in the new covenant? Let's go to Second Kings. No, First Kings, First Kings. Oh, sorry, 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 not Kings. Samuel, 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 Samuel. Isn't it Samuel? Where there was a famine. Second Samuel, 21. 2 Samuel 21. 21. Verse 1. There was famine in the days of David for three years. Year after year. And David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house because he killed the Gibeonites. Okay. It's as simple as that. It's an Old Testament king. He went and asked God, oh, first year, he thought it was natural. Second year, also, I don't know why he didn't, why did he wait for three years? But he waited for three years. Third year, he went and he asked, why is this happening? Okay, three years in a row. Okay, he went and asked, what is the issue here? Like the question, what, how was the question? Okay. Is it because God has allowed us? Is it because of disobedience? disobedience? Yes. God says it is. What? The disobedience of King Saul. He was the king. He disobeyed my, my covenant which you people made with the Gibeonites, now it has come. The chickens have come to roost. <laughs> okay. 
and so it can be because the spirit of god will tell you if it is disobedience because see, if, if 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 it is disobedience there's only one answer repentance. obedience repentance. <laughs> the answer to disobedience is obedience repent and change mm. your life okay and then uh, or walk with god or as walk with god if we go wrong okay or a storm that god allowed us to go through a purpose yes there are many storms which God will allow us to go through for a purpose so that we learn of it. We learn, okay, like the storm which in Mark 4 the disciples went through. Jesus sent them across. Every time Jesus sends them across, it seems they are hit always by a storm. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he stop the storm? Didn't he know it? So they would learn the lessons of faith. There are a lot of things which God does not stop from happening in their life so that those become lessons for all of us. All of us. Basically, that's the whole thing. Okay, because you need to realize, behind almost, if not everything, there is a spiritual root. Mm. Okay, there's a spiritual root. And if we don't identify it, we will never reach our solution. Mm. We're looking for solutions. But the solution is first in the spiritual realm. Okay? Like simple say, uh, Goliath comes and challenges day after day, 40 days. And then David comes into the field. We all know David comes. He comes with bread with for his brothers. And when he sees David and Goliath comes and challenges, and he looks at this, and his first statement is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? <coughs> Where does he look at the solution? The Where does he look at the problem and the solution? He doesn't look at the physical realm at all. Mm-hmm. He looks at the spiritual realm. This man is uncircumcised. We are circumcised. Yes, circumstance. So the first problem, first problem and the solution is in the spiritual realm. Mm. And that is what the others did not see. They did not see. So almost many or most of our problems in our life has a spiritual issue. Mm. Okay. Sometimes you could be absolutely right. Daniel was absolutely right. God commends Daniel as one of those three best men who ever walked on earth. Yet his prayer was not answered for 21 days, not because he was wrong, but because he was right. Okay, And then on the 21st day only he understands that there is a battle going to stop the answer from coming. That is why God is telling in Luke 18, 1, men all, all need to always pray and never lose give up, heart. never lose heart. Mm. What it is, it's only through prayer we will find out what it is. And if prayer does not work, we still need to hear clearly. We go into a fasting Fast, mode. Exactly. Fast mm. mode. You know what? There is a solution. Amen. There isn't a single problem in life in which there is no solution. solution. Yes. Okay? Because God's hand can be shortened only by our unbelief. There is a solution. And the answer it is that never quit praying. That's why mornings we see on prayer, the desire for prayer, the fervency of prayer, and we are looking at the importunity of prayer. Okay, Imagine if the Canaanite woman had got offended because he, he called her a dog. But the problem is her daughter is dying. Her daughter has got a serial. Are you going to hold on to your pride? Exactly. Or you want a solution? No? Do you want a solution? Okay, you want a solution? You are desperate. So you, you can call me whatever you want. I just want my <laughs> child healed. 
Okay, child, he like the scenes which you see in the Kabul airport. Wow. It does not matter. We just want to get away from the hand. It's literally a question between life and death. If we stay back, we die. And you would rather die on the way trying to cross over to other side because there's a chance of life over here. This side it is execution and hanging. But if we can, we still have a chance we could get across the wall onto the other side. No? So there's no room for pride or anything. It's a desperation. Desperation, no? So, we, we find it through and God is waiting for us to get so desperate where God is our only solution. A lot of people quit because God is not their final solution or only solution. For many, God is their final solution. But imagine we go in prayer about every issue as God is the only solution. Any problem, God is the only solution. That's how Jesus went. Therefore, you always got an answer. You are the only solution. I don't have plan B. Only plan A. <laughs> no plan B. No. And therefore, God allows. Yes. Master, I think again, question number nine has got a similar uh, old tenor. Do you agree we don't hear from God because in our hearts there is something getting in the way? But it seems to happen every day. <laughs> How do you... Is it because of relational sin? No, when we talk about hearing from God, okay, but you have to be very careful about it. It is not about this voice whispering in our mind all the time. It is not that, okay? Like one of the illustrations we have used is uh, talking about from Hyderabad, you are on the way from Hyderabad to Vijayawada. Okay? Mm -hmm. And you don't know the way, but you have GPS. Mm -hmm. And that lady tells, take left, take right, take left, take exit number 5 and yeah. get on to Vijayawada Highway. The next 300 kilometers. Okay. Mm -hmm. And says there will be tolls on the way, but go straight for the next 300 kilometers. Mm -hmm. For the next 300 kilometers, she's not going to talk. She's not going to talk. She's going to talk if you take a wrong turn. Mm -hmm. You take a wrong turn, she will take do what? She will say, turn and come back. Sometimes God doesn't have to talk like that doesn't have to talk like that. And how do you know? You have this peace. You have this peace. You know everything is right between you and God. You have this peace. That is what Paul, Peter, Paul is talking about. Let the peace, he's not, if you look at Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7, he is not talking about a solution there, mm. if you look at it. He's not talking about a solution. Be anxious for nothing. But with everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and you will receive your answer immediately no. or after some time. He's not, not saying that. He's not saying that. You know what he says? The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the key. Sometimes God doesn't have to speak, but his peace guards your heart. You know, it is well with my soul. Everything is God is in control. No, it, it's a relationship is like that. Mm -hmm. You know, parents and children, sometimes long distance, you don't talk every day. It's Indian mothers who will talk every day, trouble, day and night and all, no? But usually that's not the way. If there is trouble, they will call up. I'm sensing something. Is everything okay with you? If everything is fine on that side, everything is fine on this side. You know what? You don't call every day. You don't call every day. Even husbands and wives, some days they talk a lot, some days they don't talk much. But because there is peace. Mm. They don't talk much. They don't have to. If, if you have peace in your house, you don't have to talk much. Yes. Mm. 
Okay? There are two times when husbands and wives don't talk much. One when there is no peace. <laughs> and one no. when there is peace. <laughs> okay? Okay? And uh, <laughs> the same thing with God too. When God doesn't talk to you, you need to be very sure it is because, it is, because you have no peace with God. Therefore, God is not speaking to you. At the time, you have peace with God. The peace of God is guarding your heart and mind and you know the answer will come. You have made a supplication. You have thanked God for it. And when it will come, you do not know. But you know He will answer. Mm. It will come. And that's how you, that's how you walk with God because mm. we should not, uh, mistake that constantly there is a buzzing in over here that the Holy Spirit is like a bee talking. No, no, it's not like that. No, there will be seasons he says nothing. Hmm. And that's cool. That's okay. No, because he's the one who is also convicts you of sin. Yes. Okay? So if, you, if you're walking in obedience, then he doesn't have to talk to you much. doesn't have to talk to you much. Yes, Pastor Richard. Pastor Again, this is again got to do with hearing, etc. Mm. Uh, this is uh, question number, uh, sorry, 11. Uh, yeah, let's go back to 9. Let, nine, me, let nine. me, because that's an important question again, yes. okay? Is it because uh, of relational sin? Yeah. Do you agree we don't hear? But another thing I will tell you, one of the primary ways you hear from God is when you are meditating upon the Word of God. Mm. Yes. And sometimes Christians don't realize the importance about it. When you are meditating upon the word of God, like I said, there are three facets about the word. One is the letter, mm-hmm. the language. Language makes a difference. Okay, mm-hmm. Language makes a difference. So like reading Good News Bible and reading NKJV or KJV, there's a whole lot of difference between it. Okay, So language makes it. Second is the written word, which we call Logos. Mm-hmm the written word. And the third is when the Holy Spirit comes upon it, it becomes living. That is Hebrews 4.12. It becomes living. So when you are reading the word of God, now this is not knowledge, this is not wisdom, this is, it is cutting. Spirit of God has come upon. And the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and the spirit of joints and marrows, and he's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Mm. The Spirit of God will show you. Okay, only he can he can show you through you through somebody else's life which is written in the Bible. Somebody who died four times or four thousand years ago. But from his life when you're meditating, God will say, you know what? The same attitude you also have. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You also have the same. I remember an old time pastor who died, died and gone. Old time goldies are there, you know. So he says he was a Bible college student and he used to minister in a small church. And one day when he was driving back, he knew one headlight had gone. So a cop stopped him and looked at him and said, "Son, do you know one of your headlights have gone?" And he looked and said. One of the headlights gone. And he's okay. He says, I will not write you up this time. Fix it. And he says, as he moved, the Holy Spirit told him, you lied. He said, no, I didn't lie. I told the truth. One of the headlights gone. (laughs) (laughs) And the Holy Spirit said, no, that is not what you meant. (laughs) That is not what you meant. Okay, so you need to realize how he's the only one. The, the cop only hears your words. Mm. 
the Lord reads your intents. Mm. Okay? And that is when the word of God and the spirit of God come together, it cuts through. It cuts through. Okay? That's why it is called, it's a two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. It cuts the other person. If you're speaking, it cuts you too. Okay? And much of what God speaks to you on a day-to-day basis, much of it is, is through the the word word of God. Much of what God speaks to is through because why He's setting you in doctrine. Ah, yes, mm. doctrine. Now, much of it He's setting you in doctrine, and doctrine is found in the Word of God, and the Spirit of God sets and He teaches you these things. That's why the Bible says the anointing will teach you all things. Mm. Where does it teach it from? I mean, imagine how blessed we are, and the previous generation did not have a Bible, and how blessed we are that we have a copy, a personal copy. Okay, in Afghanistan they cannot. Now people are destroying their phones because if you have a Bible app in you, you have chances of getting killed. They're checking your phones. Okay, they're checking their phones. And uh, the Americans had used this, <coughs> what you call it, face this thing, ID and all, for those who are working with them and all. It seems to, the Taliban has got that machine. So they're checking out all the people out who, who were working for the Afghan government for the Americans and going house to house checking them out to get them. So we think, okay, we have a Bible app. <coughs> and we see in our own time, mm. in our own time, in a nation, within a question of one week, wow. how everything changed, that if you have a Bible app in your phone, you can get killed. You can get killed. You need to realize the Spirit of God is teaching all of us. The Word of God, I have given it to you. Hide it in your heart. Hide it in your heart where no Taliban can get in. No. So, uh, just yes. a sign, how quickly it has changed. How quickly it I mean, that changed. is it's precipitated yeah. into a chaos. Yes, place. how quickly. I mean, it's all set up. It's all a set up. You know, it couldn't have fallen that. I mean, how come post... Uh, November, from the time of the election last year, how come from that time, I mean, if you look at it, the whole world changed from 2020. Yes. And COVID started, right? COVID. You have to look at the facts. John MacArthur presence, casualty rate of COVID puts it by data. He puts it all and he says, why this bus about this vaccination? Actually, if you look at it, even in India, it's not so high. How many people died? Wait, let's go by the government. How many people died? Five lakh? What's India's population? What's India's population? 1.3 billion? How many died? 500,000? You want to vaccinate 1.3 billion for 500,000? Casualty rate is so low. And most people are walking around happily, no issues at all. Why are they forcing stuff on us? Worldwide. Why are they creating this? And why is there so much suppression of news? It's never happened before. So much intimidation. Why is it happening? You look at it all and Taliban taking over. Now you look at it. Okay, Taliban took China, Afghanistan within days, weeks. But three weeks, four weeks back, where was the Taliban? They were in China. They met the Chinese foreign minister. Right? They were in China. Okay. And uh, why did the American army stand down? 
Where did the orders come from to withdraw from Bagram Air Base, their largest, and leave all their weapons over there, massive weapons? At least around $80 billion worth of weapons, including Black Hawk helicopters and F-15 simulator. Why, who gave those orders? It has to come right from the top. Who gave these orders? And what is the main issue with the current administration in U.S.? China, the China, they are in Chinese pocket. So there is a, there is a diabolical plot going on. Absolutely going on. Okay. And what is China now saying? Two days in a row or in one week, twice in one of their largest newspapers. And every large newspaper or any newspaper is you publish only what the government says. They are threatening Taiwan. You are next. (coughs) Hong Kong was taken over without a whimper. Why? Taken over. And next is Taiwan. But the problem is we are all sitting like sitting ducks. The problem is Taiwan, Japan, and all the NATO countries have a treaty with America that is one country's attacks, America has to come into their defense. You know what? If China, because of what happened in this thing, is going to take over Taiwan, it could be the beginning of the Third World War. If, but the Chinese seems to think under Biden, uh, they won't do anything. They won't do anything. So if you look at the whole thing over there, it's very, very diabolical. There are only two two things that is happening. One is either Christ is coming back very fast or God is going to reset everything. Okay, you will always see in, in history, God resets everything. When things come to a particular point, God resets everything. Everything will be shaken. Everything will be shaken. So you see top to bottom, everything is being shaken and a, a <coughs> reset may happen. So that we get more time. Or the end is here. End is here. And the commentary of the fall of Afghanistan is that it is the end of the American world over. World order, it is over. It is the beginning of the Chinese world order. Okay? And whatever you say, it doesn't matter which country you live in, it's bad news always for the Christians. If you do not know Christ. That is why this urgency of hearing from God, walking with God, because it's not good news. Everywhere around the world, they go after the church. The question is, when the whole world turns around the church, Will Christ stay quiet? Is the question. I don't think so. No. Okay. One of the two will happen. Either he will come and take the church out or he will intervene and reset the whole thing. How he will do it, what he will do it, we do not know. But our job is not to take any of these things lightly. Any of these lightly and we continuously be prepared in prayer. That's why we don't give up praying. Yes, Pastor, question number 11. I think we should look at that. It says, how does one bear God's heartbreaking burdens? God does and will give his people a taste of his own long-suffering heart and his desire that all should come to know him. Do you agree with this in the context of what we are going through? Uh, One thing I will tell you, God does not uh, put a burden on somebody just like that. He prepares that person. Mm. Okay, you, we cannot carry God's burden unless He prepares us for that. Okay, so you will see, you will see 
in the word of god the people were prepared for that people were prepared for that everybody was everybody everybody cannot handle that it's god picks people he puts them through the ringer and then he puts the burden upon them okay the first one to carry a burden in the bible is noah 120 years mm. the second one is joseph these two carried burdens of their own nations on their shoulders of the people mm. okay they had to be they had to go through intense rejection and scoffing and mocking or persecution as in joseph's case the next is moses okay after moses who do you find you find a david over there okay yeah. you find not the judges among them but david the next one is david after that you find the prophets like elijah and or oh, sorry jeremiah and all okay so god prepares this man but it can have localized burdens also okay but uh, this is not emotion yes this is not emotion this is something that does not go away when god puts a weight upon your soul it does not go away does not go away that becomes what that becomes the focus of your life but he gives you the excuse me gives you the grace to bear it you're not asked to carry that burden on your shoulders it's god's burden carried by his grace mm. okay and you are i mean that's what elijah is okay elijah by the time he comes to king ahab god's burden has become his burden you know people will ask that's a simple question we say you know people ask where is the god of elijah mm. the god's answer is where is the elijah of god, god. <laughs> yes yes where is the elijah of god who in prayer in the prayer closet his heart has become one with god god's burden god's passion for people and that is apostle paul mm. i mean look at him what he says woe unto me okay he uses both terror and love that is uh, Corinthians second Corinthians 5:11 yeah look at that the passion of that man this must be there yeah got it knowing therefore the terror of the lord we persuade men okay terror of the lord and if you come uh further down verse 14 for the love of christ compels, compels us <laughs> you know two things i mean you think what kind of man is this man the terror of the lord and the love of god compels him both compels him <laughs> he knows the terror of the lord that will fall upon the people who are not saved he knows the awesomeness of that judgment to be eternally be separated from god and to go to the lake of fire the mm-hmm. terror of it persuades what he says is that both hell and heaven persuades me to go after the souls of men mm-hmm. the love of god eternal bliss mm-hmm. and the terror of god eternal darkness mm-hmm. both will persuade me to go after the souls of men okay and that is murder and that is burden no and we look at it both is there the kindness of god and the severity of god both will compel us to go after and it is not a light thing like i said after death is judgment once a person is dead there is nothing you can do everything you could do with a person is when he or she is alive and after death they are out of your hands but as long as they are alive 
we still have a chance to witness, to speak, to pray, to intercede, to fast, to cry out to God for their salvation. And people may not know it, may not even know about it. It does not matter. We continue to stand in the gap and cry out. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, another ministry-related question. This is question number 10. Um, a few days ago in our prayer group, we were asked to pray for a child being haunted by an evil spirit. This was the first time I prayed for casting out evil spirit. Evil spirit. Sir, my query is that while praying such prayers, can the evil spirit attack us or our family members or backfire? Or should we just bind and boldly cast them out in the name of Jesus as the word of God says? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, the thing is that... Uh, we have to use caution, okay, because the person who wrote is the only believer in that family, comes from a non-Christian family. She's the only believer, or I think nobody believes. So when it comes to deliverance, we have the promises of God, but we also need to know how to practically work it out, okay? So one, don't fear. Mm. Second, you don't pray, you cast. You don't pray to the demons, you command. Mm. Okay? You don't pray to Jesus, no. He says, you shall cast out demons. Okay, so we were asked to pray for a child being haunted. Okay, you pray for healing. You don't pray for deliverance. What you do is you, if it is a demon, you command it to leave. Okay, it command it to leave. And also, uh, you that's where you bring your family under the blood. Stay under the blood. Okay, so that it does not, it does not come and attack. Well, the devil will try anything, like I said. The, but that's why these are things which you don't randomly do. do yes. These are things which you don't randomly do, but you should do it because we are the only ones who have the power. These signs shall follow those who believe. They shall cast out demons in my name. So you have a demon-possessed person and you have the power and because you are afraid, you don't deliver that person, it doesn't look good, it does not go well. Okay, so, I mean, that's what James is talking about, right, you know? You see somebody hungry and you have food mm. with you and you say, God bless you and walks away. He said, where is your faith? Mm. What kind of faith is that? Okay, but because this is spiritual warfare, where you're casting out something, one, you have to believe and believe also in the protection of the Lord. So we always, when we speak, teach, mm. we tell that, plead the blood of Jesus over your family, bring them under the covering because... It's, you, you're putting your trust in, it's not in the sanctification or the holiness of, of your family. Yes, no. yes. You're putting your trust in the blood. What do you think Rahab's family was? Mm. What do you think Rahab's family was? All kosher? No. The only thing they said is that let them be inside the house. That's all. And Israelites also, the only thing is that put the blood, you stay inside the house. Mm. So we are not putting our faith in the enemy not overpowering us because we are holy or sanctified. No, we are putting our trust in the blood of the Lamb. That's what the Word of God says. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Because So you have to put your trust in the blood and by faith plead the blood of Jesus and no, and do it. Okay, do it. Otherwise, the person remains. But don't be afraid. Mm. Don't be afraid. Okay, boldly cast them out in Jesus' name. Okay, but being India and being North India and all, be very, very careful about the settings. Be led by the Spirit. 
Because you see, when you cast out a demon, it can happen one way or other. That's why I said it's a lady, it's a sister. So you have to be very, very careful. You know in Philippi what happened to Paul and Silas because they cast out a demon. The whole town turned against them and they were put in prison. They were beaten and put into prison. So you need to realize that it can work one way or other. And unlike Paul, are we ready for the eventualities is the question. No, are we ready for the repercussions? Okay, so I would say do it. But also be wise. Use discernment. How you do it, where you do it. Okay? Where you do it. Because some of sometimes what happens in this country, when you're doing a deliverance, especially in public, the last thing you want is a demon to talk. Because if the demons tell their names, it will be very surprising. <laughs> because some of them are very widely worshipped here. Yeah. Mm. And you cast them out. You could run into trouble with the local merchants. That's what happened in the book of Acts. Yeah. Because their gods, they realize, no, these guys start casting out this thing, our worship, our trade will stop. Who will buy our idols? How is it connected? Because the demons are connected with those yeah. and their names are the same. Yeah. Diana in the name of Jesus, get out Diana goes, no more worshipping Diana, who sells and buys her idols? Okay, you need to realize, and I'm telling you, those demons haven't gone away. I have cast out Roman and Greek gods within quotes from people. Egyptian gods out of people. What's your name? Isis. Isis is not talking about that Isis. Isis is Osiris' wife, Isis. Mm -hmm. A female demon. Or whatever, whether it is female or whatever. Isis, I've got Isis, I've I've cast Seth out. These things haven't gone away. They just change countries and change names. And when you have one name, it is not talking about one person. It is a legion. There will be many thousands under that one name in different people. Okay, So you need to realize deliverance is a different ministry altogether. But use wisdom, use discernment and help people. Demons go. People are set free. Get them into the faith. Let them grow, otherwise that fellow will come back with seven others. That is the problem with deliverance ministry. So my fundamental thing is that you need to deliver people and see they are stable in a church. Otherwise what will happen? That fellow is empty. He goes and finds houses shut, clean. He goes and brings seven others. And sometimes the others he brings will not manifest this way. So you think he is free or she is free. But that demon that he brought was something else completely. And you don't realize it at all. Because it doesn't manifest in the previous way. And you will say, my child is good. A little later, you find out he or she has gone a completely different tangent altogether. And you don't realize it is because it was left empty. So, it is... That's where the church comes in. Go to church, stay in church, continuously be filled with the word and the spirit. The demons will have no space. They will just leave because they are uncomfortable. Make life uncomfortable for them. Hmm. Okay, Demons like unclean places. So keep demons out, stay clean, stay filled. Okay, They don't like clean places. They're like maggots. They want rotten meat, rotten food. Okay, Stay clean, stay filled. They won't, they won't hang around. They will, they will, they will not come near. Amen. Pastor, uh, 
Yeah, I think we have stop with one more question. Yeah, well, one more question. I think we should look at whilst associated with a puffed up unbeliever relative <laughs> <laughs> or a toxic Christian sister, how do we proceed? Be away, have healthy boundaries, and pray for them. I would say pray for them. See, Paul will say as far as possible within in you, in you, mm. be at peace. Okay. Mm. Some people may not have peace with you, but you can have peace Amen. with them. Mm-hmm. If there was an issue, you brought it out to the open, made amends, even you, it was not in your fault, still you said, forgive me, and you walked away. Leave it that. The Bible is not talking about walking with arm to arm with everybody. Mm-hmm. That's not possible in this life, because there will be a lot of stuff which cannot be resolved on this part of eternity. Okay, so if somebody is toxic, stay away. Stay away. It's perfectly fine. But if they are, pray for them always. And if they are in trouble and they need help, if you can, if you're in a position, help them. Otherwise, don't curse them. Pray for them. Bless them. And leave it at that. Leave it at that. Please don't get this sentimental, emotional, this thing about, oh, I have to. This, you know, you don't have to. You don't have to pray for them, bless them. Okay. And leave them alone. God might use somebody else to minister to them. Amen. But we are clear about our heart. Mm. That in our heart, we have no bitterness, no anger, no revenge. And how do you handle it? That is what God says. How do you handle your heart? By praying for them and blessing them. You cannot be angry with somebody you bless all the time. Yeah. It's impossible. How can you bless and be angry at the same time? So God is giving all these things not for the other person. Mm. He's giving it for our sake. Mm. He says, you know what? If you remain angry, then it will upset your relationship with me. And if you, it will become bitter and it will go down, you will go down the road. So to protect yourself, what do you need to do? You bless the other person and you pray for the other person. And you know what happens? Maybe a week later, two weeks later, one month later, when you run into that person, actually, in a, let's say, casually, supermarket or something, you will realize you, are, you have no angry feelings at all with that person. You are actually able to deal with that person normally. You will be. On the other hand, if you don't pray and you don't, you are angry, man, when you see them, you will avoid and go the other way. That means thing is still not resolved. Mm. Thing is still not resolved. But if you pray and you bless them, you know what? You will see, if they turn away and go, that is okay. <laughs> you're not turning them and going away because you have nothing for them. Because you know what? You love them. Because every day you're praying for them. Every day you're blessing them. That's all you have to do. And uh, on the other side of eternity, everything will be God. Will suddenly there will, there will be a lot of makeup in eternity, okay? A lot of people will come running and say, Oh, now I see, I'm so sorry, I didn't know all those times in earth you were blessing me and praying for me while I was so angry with you. Eternity, nothing is hidden. Everything will be revealed. A lot of people, there will be a lot of interesting things happening in eternity. What a fool I was, I was so angry with you for so many years. And I was so upset and all the time you were praying for me, you were blessing me. I never thought about that, you know. And that's what I said, God says, don't worry. Nothing will be hidden there. There will be only peace and reconciliation and love and brotherhood over there. <laughs> but he says, you walk in it now. You walk in it now. Even if the other person is it, pray for them, bless them. Yes, Pastor Vijay? 
Amen. We shall pray. It's been a long, tiring day. Yes. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father. As your word says, the Lord, the church alone has the power to hasten your coming. And we hasten your coming by getting ready. The bridegroom is delayed only because of the bride. So, Father, I pray continuously in every format when we hear the word, even if it's in a Q&A, you are telling us, prepare, for no man knows the day or the hour the Son of Man will come. Watch and pray. Endure till the end. Do not let your love grow cold, for he who endures till the end will be saved. Prepare us, O Lord, prepare us. We also want to thank you for your faithfulness is bringing us thus far, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you. It's again I commit the whole church, everyone who's listening, wherever they are, oh Lord, that you would bless them and you would protect them, especially your children, our brethren in Afghanistan, wherever they are. We may never know them, see them, but you know every one of them. And also the others, Lord, poor people, Lord, living in terror. Oh, Father, I pray, Lord, stretch forth your hand and touch that nation and touch your people there. Hide them under the shadow of thy wings. Let there be confusion in the ranks of the enemy and light and safety in your people's homes, Lord. We come in the rest of the night into thy hands. If you tarry to come, give us another day in the land of the living. Help us to be in your house tomorrow, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, 